Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Hayastan podcast. Today we will be speaking with Hrak Melkonyan, a repatriate from Los Angeles. Welcome to the program, Hrak. Hey Nishan, I think it's really cool that you're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Hrak. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the community you grew up in. Okay, um, I grew up in, uh, in Glendale, California, uh, primarily Armenian community. You know, there are different statistics, it could be 60%. I could go with this, in my high school, 80% of the kids, 80% of the students were Armenian. That's something you can find on Wikipedia, so mm-hmm. Herbert Hoover High School. So uh, that's to say, to say in short what my community was like, it was a very Armenian, or at least a very Armenian populated community, and it was awesome. And that was a state uh, school, a state high school. Yeah, 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 it was not Armenian. It was called Herbert Hoover High School. So um, did your experience growing up in L.A. help convince you to move to Armenia? You know, no, because growing up in L.A., it seemed like, you know, if I would use like, I know this is going to sound dorky, but use like a Lord of the Rings example. We were in the inner sanctuary, it felt like. We were in like the Citadel or Gondor. Like we were secure. Everything was going to be just fine. There's so many Armenians. If you're interested in Armenian scouts, there's Armenian scouts. You're interested in Armenian sports, there's Armenian sports. Armenian anime group, we have that too. We had everything, including the word Armenian in it. So it seemed like... I, I wasn't thinking about Armenia growing up. I was thinking about being Armenian, but I wasn't thinking about Armenia the place growing mm-hmm. up. I just thought, oh, this is it. We have everything here. Hmm. This is Armenia, if anything. An Armenian anime club? We had that, yeah. yeah were you, we were you a part of that? Club? You know, I wasn't. They met up at Legacy every now and then, but I wasn't. No, I was too young to, to, to my parents. Were like, whoa, whoa, what club? I'll just go to Scouts or something. That's good. So, um, did you experience culture shock when you moved to Armenia? Uh, not at all, because uh, half of the Armenians growing up in my city of Glendale, the ones I went to high school with, I, I saw in gym locker rooms, and stuff, they were Hayastansi. Here they call them Tehatsi, or locals, because this is where they're from, and where you know our brothers are from. And when our brothers came over to Glendale, well, they were there. We saw them. You know, It was the same type of deal. If anything, uh, seeing them here in their own environment was like they were more comfortable. So it was, you know, it was super... From the first day, it was very normal. They knew what a boss guy was, so it wasn't like I was a complete stranger. My, my identity and my uh, accent wasn't a complete, uh, you know, oddity to them. It was pretty mm-hmm. normal. Um, so you're a boss guy. Yeah. So how did you feel as a Barskahai living in LA and as a Barskahai living now in Armenia? Okay, so... What are some of the... <laughs> that's a good question, because in LA... Like, they're like, I don't know how many thousands, 10,000, 40,000. I don't know what the number is. It's, it's everywhere around you. There's a thousand Barskas just in my school. So, or like 800 or whatever the number is. Like, there's so many Barskas around here. I was in like scouts and sports, so there's Barskas there. We had our own little Armenian universe. Then within that Armenian universe, we had a Barskahai universe. And so, I didn't think it was strange. And I didn't think it was in any way um, not cool or anything. I thought it actually was double cool. I'm like, oh, we're so... I don't know what the word is, cheery, chummy, we're very comedic type people, we just laugh all the time, it, I like being boss guy, or I did at least, because when I moved here, I came to realize that calling myself boss guy, speaking like a boss guy, kind of, you know, revolving or orbiting that identity was not a pragmatic solution to repatriating and eventually assimilating to this country, because coming here calling yourself Barskahai, it, it's misleading. They don't understand what that means sometimes. Someone might not misunderstand. They might think you're like a half Persian, half Armenian, which then that could cause, I don't know what kind of issue for some people here. So, and you can, you can later cut the stuff out if you want. Good or bad. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so people out here don't really like, always like 
uh, that if you're gonna hang out with them, certain people, they don't, you know, they're, they just might say, oh, you know, like, are you half Persian? If you are, that's cool, but I just wanna know. And then you start realizing, instead of getting to that conversation, you just say, it's an old Nersi Ranitsen, yes, America it's him, and that's the end of it. And now I'm here, and then you just switch. You become, this is the reality now, not these other realities that they're not even that familiar with. They're a little familiar with it, but you know, it just so makes life easier. So you said a lot of people can misinterpret what box yeah. behind me. Yeah, they could think your dad's literally a, a Persian, not just an Iranian citizen, but like ethnically Persian. And that could cause not an issue, but you're definitely creating roadblocks if you want to assimilate here. Um, this might be the reality I face, and it's not the real reality. I don't know, but the but what I've seen in my own hayat, amongst my own friends, even coworkers, it's like, dude, you know, if you're not full Armenian, that's fine, but don't be so uppity about it. You know, what if you're half like I don't know? Let's just say you're half I don't know. Uh, Bulgarian. Okay, you mentioned Bulgaria once or twice. They have a or Hungarian. They have a great water polo team. Okay, get it. They have a great this, great that, great computer science program. Get it. But now you're here, so you're here with us. We're not Hungarian, so there's a certain limit of what they'll allow of another culture to permanently hang out with them. There's this idea of like, if you are me, you are me, and that's kind of what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's the end of it. Well, I, I remember I did have a taxi driver who asked if I was not full Armenian. Uh-huh. And when I told him I was only half Armenian, uh-huh. he did end up driving a little crazy. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think that's that shouldn't be the way it is. I'm not happy but about that. But that, yeah. that only happened once. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't In know. two years. <laughs> that's good, yeah. But I, it does happen, of course. Yeah, happen. like... And, and the, the worst part is you might enter into a mental space or a social space or you might just... Uh, hold yourself to a certain regard and they might not say anything and so so with me being they might have such a special opinion about you that they might not even let you know i i think i've been in the fortunate position where they've trashed me and they've let me know like hey dude you sound like, you Barsk guys sound feminine. Try to sound a bit more copied like us or a bit more whatever they consider. <laughs> and I just fix it. I got a portsum Iran's the man, Hosam, Ablistans. Yes, him, Chon, Vonsa, but Iran's the man. Eliuzum, Iran's the man, Hosam, Borsans, Iran's a Zulvem. So you feel like your accent sometimes causes problems with local Armenians? It has in the past. And now I've fixed it. I think they can still tell. Karan Imanan, Bites Artemita, Hasev, or. So, um, you use the term fix uh-huh. to describe mm-hmm. changing your accent yeah, to match Yerevan yeah. yeah, Armenians. Trying think, to. Do you think that's the proper term? Oh, I don't know what that is. Because I know I've heard. <laughs> There's probably a better thing. I've heard um, some Armenians from here, from America, mm-hmm. use the term makrvel. Um, Makrvel, yeah, I've heard that too. Ha, yeah, Haidem Makrvela. Accented Makrvel. So, do you think these yeah. are, do you think fix or clean, <laughs> are, are those the right terms to use? I think here? it's so beautiful that there are Spurkais and there's diasporans, and then I've always been fascinated with Western Armenian culture. I'm not Western Armenian by any measure of the stick, but because I was in Scouts and AYF and stuff, I found being Western Armenian is so cool. It's almost like being Batman or something. You have this like goal or this like this this thing that's happened and now you have to spend your life kind of a portion of your life trying to amend what has happened this amazing 
uh, again, back to Lord of the Rings, like this elfish world, this world of like vast literature and peace and wonder, which was, I think, was at one point Western Armenia or Western Armenian peoples. The, the, the mines of Moria. That kind of, that kind of, oh, it's beautiful, <laughs> the mines of Moria. That's a very good analogy, yeah. We saw cavernous caves, those beautiful diamonds, and the size of emeralds. Yeah, it was almost, exactly. Anyways. Right. Uh, good. So, um, did anyone call you crazy when you decided to move to Armenia? I think people call me crazy in general. Okay. But sure, yeah, I, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, hopefully not, probably. But um, no, I mean, of course, uh, people were wondering how financially I'm going to make it, how... I don't know, socially I'm going to make it, how you go somewhere, you have no family, no friends, no contacts, nothing. And that was the reality. Besides one good friend of mine, his name is Khachik. Besides him, I had no one to talk to here. I didn't know anyone. And I was just different enough where it took a lot of time. It's been two years. And this last weekend, I find myself on Saturday, I had like a 15 people at my house were having a nice time, drinking, eating, singing. And I'm like, oh, I guess I have all these friends now, work friends, uh, union friends, regular friends, you know, friends I do activities with on the weekends, hiking, whatever. Oh, this is now something, some remnant of what I had in Glenda. I was saying Glenda was much more and much richer, much older friendships. But this is good now. I have these people, these Degotis, these Syrian Armenians. Unfortunately, no one, besides Tigran, no one from the Western Hemisphere have I actually uh, kept and yourself. They're like, because everyone from the Western Hemisphere, such friendship, which I think is the most important part of repatriating. Like American Armenians. Yeah, American French Armenians, Armenians, French, Australian, these types of Western Hemisphere Armenians. It can affect chuni. It can ban chuni on lustre. In shkam vor mat gorstan hazar dollar jeb dinan. In shkam vor kara manan normal gorzov. Eli kara avel love sarkian de. So he goes like, I'm gonna go back. Plus I have family, and the last one I have friends there. I'm telling you, the place where you have friends, the place you belong, the city you belong to, is is the same city. If you left that city, people would notice. If people don't notice that you've left the city, that you don't belong to that city. That was not where you're from. So if I leave Yerevan now, some people, uh, people ask me, like, have I fully repatriated here? I don't put a title on it. Now, at this point, two years later, people are going to remember I left. If I did leave, which I never will. But if I left, people will remember that. I'll say, oh, wow, he left. He's gone. And if people remember you, that you've left, then you belong to that place. You are now an integral part of the, that that thing. I think uh, a lot of Degazis, uh, when they want people to repatriate, they yeah. often, uh, sometimes they might forget about how hard it is to leave your family behind. Because yeah. a lot of the time, of especially if you're a second, third, fourth generation, mm-hmm. uh, you have grandparents who can't move mm-hmm. um, out of the house or let alone mm-hmm. out of the country. Yeah. And it's, you know, very hard for those people to... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm commit to something as big as repatriation and oftentimes I think the vast majority of repatriates might want to go with their whole family it would be more probably yeah. hard mark yeah I don't even know though the yeah. statistics on that but yeah I don't know stats on either but I think overall successful repatriation I should put it this way successful repatriation has been with the family if you look at the Syrian Armenians who have stayed 
those people came with their family, came with their friends, Iran's Kauta, Iran's Mashakuita, the whole culture of, of Aleppo and Damascus, they brought it. And so bringing that makes the difference. Where I'm one Bars guy from Glendale who grew up in an Arad Sipon basketball scouts environment, but I'm just one guy. Everyone else didn't come. I'm just the only member of that. The only other Bars guy I can deal, he's not from uh, like home Ant-Man and stuff. So he doesn't, you know, I mean, it's not the same. So it's, it's, I cannot bring my entire culture. I can only accept the culture here and then throw a little bit of like change, hot change every now and then I'll say like, oh, well, you know, back when we did this for fun or whatever. And then go, well, that's interesting. And then that's the end of it because they don't know anything more. They don't know about that. So Like you want to introduce Super Smash Brothers. I, yeah, I want to bring up Super <laughs> Smash. Exactly. It's a great game for Nintendo GameCube. Uh, anyways, it's an amazing, amazing game. Best game ever. Well, the... That's another interesting part of local Armenian culture that I don't think anyone really talks about is the video game culture. Yeah, and I was so excited when I first showed up because I saw all these video game parlors. I mean, the what are they called? The cl- video game like, clubs or whatever. They're like these underground yeah, basements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go there, it's smoke-filled. The ventilation is eh. Arena's pretty good, but the rest of them, eh. Uh, what do you got in there? You got a bunch of people playing Mortal Kombat, FIFA. I play table tennis, actually, at, at Shooter's. On Marshfields, I love, I'm a pretty good table tennis player these days, so hmm. I'll kick anyone's butt in table tennis. But it's a smoke-filled place, and sometimes the armor will come through. He's like smoking while playing. It's like he's an expert, but he's like a smoker, <laughs> ping-pong player. He's smoking. Oh, yeah, it's just in his mouth, like... <laughs> Does like, he think you can participate in the Olympics with a cigarette? That actually is a special Olympics <laughs> just for the cigarette. Not specialized in the other way, but just, you know, hotuk uh, banka. So, yeah, I mean, I was very disappointed when I saw they don't really play... Uh, Nintendo games, but then Nintendo didn't support Armenia or doesn't support Armenia. Nintendo is very selective of where. Right, it, I, I don't think they they don't have sell a, anything. They don't have a, There's no Nintendo store here, and it's too probably expensive. It's too expensive. It's not lucrative. It's not lucrative. That's probably what's going on. Uh, and so Xbox, more actually, more uh, PlayStation. Xbox and PlayStation has kind of just taken the market, and four games within PlayStation have taken the market. Uh, I'm sure there are some 16-year-olds out there. I've heard of some 16-year-old, 20-year-olds out there who have a Wii, randomly, who have Brawl, which is, I don't like Brawl, but I mean, Brawl is a nice game. I don't like it, but <laughs> cut this part out. Um, you know, so the video game thing wasn't... But I play chess, and uh, even that's actually not that easy to find people, but I play chess. And I really enjoy it. Have you chess. ever been to the chess house near Yedem? I have. I've been to Khanjian's uh, chess, Shachmatun, Ganatsalem. Bunch of young kids and old people. There's no one in their 20s. See, I used to play at Chess Palace. I was a member of a U.S. Chess Federation back in America in Orange County where I went to school. Um, there was a place called Chess Palace. And then you get a bunch of 20-year-olds hanging out, smoking cigarettes, talking, playing music outside, just hanging out. You know, And then you go indoors and you play serious tournaments for money. Here, you got a bunch of old guys and a bunch of little kids. There's no, the 20-year-olds are busy working because they're all married and stuff. And so, oh. I know it sounds a bit mean, <laughs> but you get my point. I mean, they have harder lives here. They can't just be sitting. You'll get prodigies and stuff. But overall, the, the regular locals busy with you know supporting himself financially and and just having a nice time about it. He's not trying to stress himself out with extra puzzles. The puzzle of how 100,000 is going to pay for 200,000, that puzzle itself is is enough for him to, to make, you know, rocks into bread is enough. The miracles of, of living out here of Varsov. So, Harag, what kind of work have you been doing in Armenia? 
Well, uh, to answer that question, I'll start with that. When I graduated UC Irvine, I started working as a freight broker, what some people might call a truck dispatcher. And so what we do and what I do here and what I did over there is about the same. Um, we find loads for local truck drivers in California. Uh, what we do is we contact that truck driver in the morning. Unfortunately, here it's at nighttime. So it's actually 5 p.m. to about 1 a.m. Uh, we work. Uh, and so what we do is we find loads that we call these truck drivers, ask them where they are, where they want to go, how much money they want, what kind of commodity they can take, insurance, whatever. And then we find loads for them. I have about seven guys doing this right now in an office. We're on site. Nova. We're actually looking for more people. So if anyone speaks English and wants to do it's a, it's a decent job. It's commission based. but It's a decent job. And yeah, it's, it's called truck brokering and it's. There's like a, it's a booming industry out here. It's quiet because of certain reasons, uh, but it's it's a booming industry. When I moved out here, there were four offices. Two years, there's twenty offices. Um, over over eight hundred people are employed by so this in job. So in two in two years' time, they opened sixteen new offices. Yeah, not just one company, but three or four different companies are they're all fighting against each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, all American companies. Um, yeah, basically, you know, it's it's. I remember when I first came out here. And I was talking to someone, telling them what I do. They kind of didn't understand or they thought I was making this up. And then I went to go get my blood test uh, taken at the hospital. And some kid's like, well, so what do you do? And I'm like, oh, this. And he's like, oh, yeah, my cousin does that. He has his office on whatever, balcony on me. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, there it is. And that's what I did. And then they explained to him. In Glendale, you just say I'm a truck dispatcher. Everyone knows what that is. It's a commission-based, high-paying job. Some months are good. Some months are bad. And you know, it's a job. But as for future, I'm studying programming right now. JavaScript, web development, backend PHP, Node.js, whatever that means to whoever knows what that means. Um, I'm going to learn basically web design and freelance and work for a company, stuff like that. So those are my two eggs and they're pretty hot. So it's pretty good, yeah. Look, uh I'll say this much about working. If you're a native English speaker, you'll make easily $800 to $1,200 teaching English. As long as you're a normal person, you act professional, you come out here, come do birthright. After your birthright's over, you're going to be making a lot of money. They offered me, I'm not going to say where, but they offered me 600,000 dirham for teaching English. You just have to be funny, exciting. Of course, if you're a complete dullard or whatever the term is, um, you might not get such an opportunity. But if you can come out here, act like an American or act like someone from the West to some degree, however prejudiced or racist that might seem, but just if you can, if you, you might, they might even tell you like certain, I'm not going to mention which companies, but they tell you don't. Uh, say you're Armenian. When you talk to these Persians or foreigners, whoever they are, when these, te- these students that meet you, they want a, an American. And it's like, okay. So I didn't want to do that job because I'm making more money doing truck dispatching, but way more money. But the idea is that you could go into that if you're a, you know, what is, what is a vaguely skilled soft science, soft skill, soft social science. If you're not a programmer, engineer, and you're worried, oh, I want to come out there. I want to, you can live out here for $500 a month, just fine. And you can make a thousand dollars a month. You save six k a year. That's five years. Thirty k. You can get a apartment out in the outskirts somewhere. I don't know where. Out, maybe like out of Gomitas Lobo, but you can get forty k. You can get something. So you can definitely have fun, work, be professional, teach English, whatever. If you don't teach, if you don't know English like a native person, if you don't program, if you're not an engineer, if you're not a doctor, if you're not these types of things. If you're not you know, a PhD from a decent country, whatever is a quote-unquote decent country, decent degree, what can you do out here? Well, I'm not going to lie to you. Not too much. People out here are struggling just 
you know, if you don't know English, you're probably going to struggle. And you're not an engineer or programmer, which if you're an engineer or programmer, the language of science is English language. You probably do know English. You just can't socially extrapolate things in English. But, but I'm not going to lie to you. There are only four or five options as far as making enough money where you say to your parents, I'm moving to Armenia and it's a lucrative opportunity. For me, I'm making uh, as much... Anyone from America knows as much as a regular 25, 28 year old American makes, that's how much money I'm making. I'm not going to put a number on it. Laval House Carmen, that number, and I'm spending $800 a month, which is considered a lot actually, or $1,000 a month, which is considered a lot here. So I'm spending that I'm living off rent. You know, I'm spending this much money, I'm making this much money. It's lucrative. Even if someone is not, the reality is uh, that, yeah, you, there are these five ways to make decent money, and then there is 25 ways to make okay money, and then there's a hundred ways not to make money, or a billion ways not to make money. Um, but the reality is that, you know, you, your question earlier, someone called me crazy. Well, when they realized what I was gonna do out here, a lot of people actually put their hands together and said, oh yeah, this sounds like a good lucrative scheme, you know, making this much money out there, spending a little bit of money, this sounds just fine. I would come here and I would, wipe the floors with my hands. And I don't care if that's a guy's job or a girl's job. I used to be a gender at uh, Saddleback Community College when I was 17 or 18 or whatever it was. I would move to this country for no reason, no ogut, no audit, no revolution, for no advantage, I would come here. Now, luckily, I had this opportunity, so I came here with that. But the idea is that people called me crazy until they realized what kind of money I could be making but I could, then I call them crazy for saying, oh, you need money to repatriate. Well, that's, that's, what it that's what repatriation is to you. For me, repatriation is a one generation, two generation sacrifice for 100 decent generations, for 20 decent generations. For as long as the atmosphere can hold humans, it can hold Armenians. We repatriate, we take it to some degree, it's a sacrifice. You know, I love certain activities that I will never get to pursue out here because there's no one to pursue them with. Except Nishan. Nishan's cool, he plays video <laughs> games. But... Everyone else might look at you and say, nah, man, we're just doing this. And I'm like, okay, well, my life is now going to be like 10 times less fun in some regards. But it's, that's what repatriation means. It's, a, it's To some degree, it's struggling. But I think if you're the type of person that loves Armenia, loves being Armenian, it, it ultimately is rewarding. So, Harag, let's talk a little bit about the diaspora. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about the management of the diasporan community in Los Angeles? Okay, well... This might not be a popular opinion, but I quantify management. Uh, when I look at the children, the youth, that's how I used to appraise any diaspora's ma management. Before I talk about LA's, I'll just say, and LA's a big place. I would go city by city. The Glendale diaspora are different than the pa Pasadena diaspora, the Montebello diaspora. Those are different, very different, very different communities and different approaches. But I'll say this much. There's a certain level of action and knowledge that has to be instilled into a kid for me to say that this diaspora is doing a great job. What do I mean by this? If the kids don't speak Armenian, that diaspora is not doing a good job. If the kids don't know, and the kids speak Armenian, they don't know history very well. They don't know what Bagra Twin Dynasty is. They don't know about the Rubenid. They don't know about Kilikia. They don't know between Kilikia, Arachi Hanra, there was like a 600 year, or 400 year, or whatever, 500 year gap. You know, they don't know about these kinds of things. That's not good. If they don't study the Soviet Union, that's not good. So they need to study all those things. There's a lot of studying that has to be done for a diaspora community to be successful. It's not just money and going to church or going to Sunday Easter bazaar. That's all, you know, that stuff is needed too. But the more important part is language, history, political awareness. You know who Sashik and Lefik is. You know who 
I don't know who Levante Petrosian is. You should name all four presidents like like this. It should be like a shouldn't be even like a thought in your head. You should just know all four presidents, what they do, who Nicola is, why Nicola is different, is that good, is that bad. You should know what's going on. Uh, I expect this out of a youth. So these expectations are of course unreal. They're like the ideal, you know. And and if I were to name all five of them very quickly, it's political awareness, historical awareness, language acquisition. You can speak and be witty within the Armenian language. Goddess Markans it's all very important and what else um culture is a very like when i say culture i mean cultural experiences an armenian wedding again like bazaar activities like that they set up they set up shop and stuff and and then church and these kinds of things you know like hanging out with other armenians again being Glenda, why am I so proud of it? Because I hung out with all these Armenians. Then I came out here and met all these other Armenians who are having trouble, who are failing to repatriate. Why? Because they don't even know what it's like to, to shoot the shit with the other Armenians. You can believe that, whatever. But they don't know what it's like to just hang out with other Armenians. And if you don't know what it's like to hang out with other Armenians, you're probably not going to stay out here. And I'm probably not going to know you because you're probably not a stable member of the repatriate or even regular Armenian community. So I'm pretty harsh when it comes to diaspora because the diaspora is failing. You go talk to a regular kid, his Armenian is not that great. Uh, his Armenian history and political knowledge is a joke. Uh, even a 16-year-old or a 20-year-old is, is leagues behind a 15-year-old or 12-year-old 12, 12 out here in, in, in the local Armenian community. It's not good. It's not going to get better. I don't care how YouTube and media orientation, how... You know, I have a very bleak... If I didn't... If I didn't... If I believed in diaspora, I would be there right now. You know, I'm physically sitting in Yerevan because I don't believe in diaspora because I think it's not going to work and things like birthright exist to help um, but unfortunately birthright exists because there is a problem if there was no problem there would be no birthright so birthright and repat exist because we're having an issue with people repatriating because people need help because people are not understanding how how the how I don't even get into like how many things are different between a diaspora community and a local community. It's very different. Only the language is the same, basically. Everything else is different. Almost everything else. So I have no hope for the diaspora. That's why I left the diaspora. It's a failed project. What diaspora? I remember when I was eight years old, and it's not childhood memories. I, I've I've cross referenced my memories with sixteen year olds and twenty eight year olds at the time. That was a much stronger diaspora. People would speak Armenian like it was nothing. English, please. I'm not like this grand teacher. I feel like that's more you. You can be tolerant and have this teacher-like wisdom. And if someone can't keep up, I just don't have no business with them. Personally. I don't... It's just difficult for me. It's so difficult. When I meet an Armenian who doesn't know Armenian, I basically consider that person to have 0.0 access to Armenian cultural psychology, which is so important. Um... When I meet an Armenian, there's no Armenian. I just feel like, dude, wow, like, what is it like to be in the not knowing? Because I never didn't know Armenian. I always knew Armenian since the age of, of cognizance, six, four, whatever. You you start to realize you exist in the world, whatever age that is, three, 
you, my, my existence, my comedy, my acquisition of the world, my understanding of the world was within the Armenian linguistic prism. So I'm lucky, or maybe I'm unlucky, because I'll never know what it means not to know as far as to know zero, at least. Of course, there's so much I don't know. I don't know Russian. If I knew Russian, just like the Armenians don't know Armenian, because I don't know Russian, there's so much I'm missing out on in Yerevan. Believe it or not, even though Russians, they say it's dead and the Soviet Union is over, and Russian is a huge quintessential, quintessential part of Armenian comedy and Armenian daily life in, in, in Armenia. Not, maybe not always Yerevan, maybe Artsakh, maybe Gyumri, maybe wherever, but knowing Russian, having that in the back of your head, you understand certain cultural contexts much better. And references. I references, know. yeah. I can't tell you how many times things have gone over my head. On <laughs> mine too, mine too, mine too. Mine too. I dance Bonner. I'm so sorry I can't... Uh, I'm so sorry to be a bearer of bad news. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, I'm nothing special. I'm just the last... Uh, I'm one of the last people of my own, of my own demographic to exist, but... Uh, so do, do you feel that as a Barska high, uh, like maybe your take on the diaspora's success and failure is a little different than, than West someone Armenian. from somewhere yeah. else? I think West Armenians are used to, not all West Armenians, but I think third or fourth generation West Armenians are used to and have tolerance towards Armenians who don't know Armenian. They're used to it. It's not a shock. But for me, growing up, I didn't meet anyone like that until I was 20 years old. So for 20 years, if you don't experience that type of stuff, it's going to be a shock. So the culture shock was not moving here. The culture shock was going to Irvine, meeting some random Armenians who didn't know Armenian. That was the shock. When I went to Orange County, one and a half hour away from Glendale, I go to Orange County like, whoa, why are you guys not speaking Armenian? You guys are the AYF. Oh, we don't speak Armenian here. Why? Oh, well, that's just how it is. We've just learned that way. But that whole psychology is so sad because it's like, why are you riding donkeys? Because the Turks said we can't have horses. Why? I don't know. It's been like that. Why are you paying double tax? To the Turks said we have to pay double tax. Why? I just like that. Why is this place not called Western Armenia? Ottoman Well, because it's called Ottoman Empire. That's just the way it is. This Orwellian acceptance of failure is not doesn't exist within me. It began to creep into my life when I saw my friend say, "Yeah, our friend Armand doesn't speak Armenian that well, so we're not going to speak Armenian tonight or tomorrow or ever." Oh yeah, this person you know married an Armenian, so we're not going to speak Armenian right now. Okay. See you later. I had a three-week notice to move to this country. I left my girlfriend, my friends, my family, everything. And it wasn't hard because it was so failed. It was it was getting worse and worse every day. Cut all the, cut all this out, but it's just it's more for you, Nishan. It's more and this is not so much my opinion as it is a filmable reality. I don't want to say science, I'll just say filmable empirical reality. You go to dinner tables, you go to Rafi Kabob, you'll hear more and more English every day. I requested this whole thing being Armenian. Whether my Armenian is good enough or not to do that, that's a different question. But we do this in English for who? For the diaspora that can't understand Armenian. You're a professor, bro. Like, you understand everything I'm saying. Um, <laughs> But it's, it's the reality. You ask me how the diaspora reality is? It's so bad we have to speak English in this interview. That's how bad it is. That's how bad it is. You, you answered your own question by, by saying this thing has to be in English. Or saying that most of it or part of it or whatever it is. Why do that have to be in English? 
Chera English, we have to. Why? Why does that be in English? Because the reality. And I don't mind, like, because, you know, I'm not worth much. I'm not a local, I'm not known for anything special. So I don't mind talking about this because no one else wants to talk about it. No one wants to talk about the failure and the embarrassment of a diaspora that cannot speak Armenian, that doesn't know the history, that doesn't, it's just clueless, man. Clueless. And they say it's beautiful and they're all different. Yeah, they are, but like, I love that part of it too. Like, oh, you know, he's half British or half Spanish and he has that side of him and it's beautiful, but, but there's a limit to what I can consider interesting and what I consider ill-pragmatic at one point or another. And I just, for my own purposes, I, I expect, I have high expectations and the diaspora is not meeting. Sometimes the local community is not meeting it. But I don't criticize locals because I am not a local. But I am a perfect demographic of where I'm from. I don't want to criticize Western Armenians too much. You notice I don't, I more or less will criticize my own people. Boss guys in Glendale. I'll criticize them because I grew up with them. I had the same challenges they did, similar financial situation, which wasn't a bad financial situation, but it was the same. You know, our parents were all making 80,000 or more or a little less or whatever it was. And that's just what it was. So you had the freedom. Why didn't you, why didn't you, uh, you know, execute and why did I execute and what happened to you and why did I end up being so Armenian and why did you get whitewashed on the side of the road? What's going on? Um, it's, it's, it's manipulation, it's Orwellian, it's 1984 because the reality is in that book 1984 you look at like people don't know what's going on in Eurasia or East Asia and then the, the war in East Asia is over but it's starting so this Velvet Revolution was like good or was it bad? I'm not going to comment on that. What I will say is unanimously in the spurk everyone thinks everything's perfect right now people think that we are having a financial breakthrough we're not things are getting worse financially look into it i brought statistics to your own home the last time so it's not uh pashinyan's fault or is it that's not up to me what is the reality is things have gotten more expensive what is the reality is people are divesting in this country other countries uh, why? I don't know. I'm not a political economist. You brought me here, but I'm not. Unfortunately, I can't answer that question. I can only bring up the question. I'm, I'm like, I'm easy. I study philosophy. I'm a loser. It's easy for me to bring, <laughs> bring up the questions. <sighs> diaspora. Wow. Diaspora. I grew up. I mean, you grew up there. We grew up there. Like, we left that place. You know, like, what does that mean? Like, we left our homes, our families, our friends. If you, if you critically think and ruminate about it, it's mind-blowing. But there is no other way to be Armenian in 2019. In 1999, in 1999, you could be in Glendale and you would think it's Yerevan Armenia or Tehran Armenia or whatever you want to call it. Tehranjilis, <laughs> Yerevanjilis, whatever you want to call it. But in 2019, when Syria is in its situation, Lebanon is in that bad situation, Iran's in a bad situation, those three other countries are pretty strong too when it comes to being Armenian. You have to live in Armenia. There is no other reality. It's not, I choose one or the other. It's, you can lose your, your, your connection to your culture. I'm not saying you're like less Armenian. You're just, you're still Armenian. You just don't have as much authority to say what is and what is not true within the local Armenian sphere. And just academically, you might have a historical or political analysis on modern or even ancient Armenian events. And you might then find yourself Find your words to have less meaning and less ears to hear, to listen to, because you just don't know. But people call me all the time. Why? I'm not an educated person. You are. I have a bachelor's degree. You're the master. You're the guy who studied 
you know, Armenian history. I did a little bit of that. And I'm not an Armenian politician, but people call me because I'm on the ground. I'm here. In a sense, I'm corresponding with the reality of 2019 or Armenia Yerevan. I'm, I'm, I'm assimilating and, and falling into line with it. This is very crucial to understand the reality of what's going on. Himatun v'chosiskor Los Angeles imasin, Los Angeles ib kaguti masin. Lesvi chantir nere Los Angeles imaj. Paitz Rusastan imaj. Skirka nuin chantir nuni. Lesvi chantir shas. Lesatelam, ma, lesatelam. Dayes chem uzum Rusayin, Rusayin kanadadam. Inchu. Ite lo teratzne inte Rusayin kanadadam. Ins kasen asi Amerika, asi asi pana arabut kitsay kelasta vor meza asi vons mer kyanke tirapeting. Getting into that, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. If Russian, if Russian army tell Russia, I am a cultural leader of the Persian army and people of Glendale. I have a specific captain class title, and that's my title. Everyone who knows me, who truly knows me, knows I had influence in that community. Knows that I gave that up to move here and have no influence here, um, and. The Russian Armenians, that's their business. It's not my business. It's, it could be your business. You seem like more of a masterful person. There are some people I consider like masters. What that means is like, I wouldn't walk into a local home and tell a wife and husband, oh, you have to be this way because in California they're like this. You guys have chosen your roles. Or maybe your parents chose your roles for you. I've seen a, a local guy yell at a local girl. I don't go up to them. And if someone strikes someone, I would stop him immediately as a human being, as a Samaritan. But, but in reality, if I see a guy yell at a girl, I'm like, dude, that's their thing. It sucks, but that's their thing. Even in California, to a degree, I would say it's their thing. But it's not really done as much in Glendale and whatever. Different cultures, different, different folks have different strokes. And those aren't my folk. I've never been to Russia. Not at the airport, but I've never really been to Russia. I've never been to St. Petersburg. I want to go. I'm 28. Uh, I will be Armenian citizen. I will go. Get home and God, I tell me you're not going to stop. God, I tell me vet some Armenians. So I'm going to borrow them and so we're them. You're not going to ship them to some phone sign. Hiding us there and God. And they're home at me. Let's not tell us. They're home at me. Ah, home at me. That's not. Yeah, I'm. Yes, I'm. God, we're just talking about. Hi, mom. Like, I'm going to come. I'm going to come. I'm going to come. I'm going to come. They will be in charge of their own fate. So, Hrag, um, do you have any other plans for the future? Uh... Again, I mentioned before I'm studying programming, so to become a programmer. But what would I do with that? Uh, I'd like to go to the villages or the outskirts or Ryan cities or whatever it is of the of, of Armenia. Not just Yerevan, not just the Gendron, not just Komitas, but really go out there. Go to Lori, go to Vanadzor. I mean, these places are already being taken care of with the technology center to some degree. But I would go to a place where they don't have. And I would take with me 20 cheap HP computers and I would go... <clears throat> You bring your kid, he learns coding. You teach him the Latin letters in one week, and then there's a 10-week workshop on coding. And to some degree, it's going to be like quick. We're going to see who can do it, who can't do it. 
My program is not going to be everyone can code. My program is going to be, let's see who can code, who has an aptitude towards syntax, logic, mathematics, uh, creating, developing. We'll take that person, make them a coder, move on. Because what's my plan? My plan is to make this country profitable. My plan is to, you know, if they're going to charge us 30% tax, then let's all make $2,000, 30%, $2,000, right? What is that? $200, yeah, $600. $600 from each citizen. That's like, what is, you know, what is 600 times 1 million? I mean, come on, like, or times half a million even. We're talking about like in the billions. So um, we need to turn a lot of people into coders. I don't care how generic that sounds. I don't care how short-sighted that sounds. We need to generate service-based income. We're already doing it. We need to do more of it. We don't need, I'm not even going to mention what we don't need. There's lots of things we don't need that are being pursued. <laughs> we don't need it right now. We don't need chess in school right now. We don't, not right now, not today. 20 years from now, we'll employ chess. I'm a 10-year chess player. I'm a chess maniac. I know everything about Kromnik and Kochnoy and Gasparov and Karpov and the whole Soviet Union versus America. I know about Capablanca, Morphy. I can go on forever about the history of chess, chess tactics, openings. I'm a chess maniac, and I'm saying we don't need chess right now. What we need is programming in the schools. Bartadir Sarkin, that we have a structure. Then we have a solution, at least for now. Mm-hmm. We need to move in that direction, or at the very least, I'm moving in that direction. We'll see who goes. Well, I'm already people are already moving in that direction, so I'll just move with them and become a problem. I'll be a programmer in three months. I'm gonna finish the back end of, of site development. I'm gonna work for another three months. So in six months, eight months from now, I'm gonna be ready to give back. You know, I'm not a genius. I'm not a math whiz, but I'm ready to give back in eight months as a programmer, and I make money too. And show kids how you can make money. Because you know what? There's some cynical Armo kids out here. They have lots of kids. They look at you. You teach them history. You teach them this, that. And they're like, each subject. But they won't say this to programming. If they say this to programming, then they are idiots. But if they... They won't say each subject. Because I'll show them. With my... This is going to sound ridiculous. With my material things. How'd you get this stuff? It's not because I'm American. It's because I'm a programmer. Oh, you can be a programmer too. You can be rich too. Because unfortunately, these billionaire hats, these billionaire jackets... It, it speaks a certain medium. They want to be rich. Okay, that's fine. We can use that for our country's advantage. So, Harab, we've talked a little bit about the diaspora, uh, local issues, local solutions, uh, repatriation. How would you like to conclude this podcast? I want to conclude it, conclude it with positivity, hopefully, because, yeah, sure, the diaspora doesn't have a future per se, but there can be new diasporas that might have a future that I didn't mentioned before the new an idea of a new diaspora first second the idea of like you know a person from diaspora comes to Yerevan or comes to Gumer or whatever for two years or one year and does volunteering or whatever they do and they can get a lot of culture from here and then go back and that could last them 10 years 15 years whatever um there is that idea uh there is the idea of like Syrian and Lebanese Armenians going to western hemisphere countries because of the problems of their own countries and they will fuel refuel the diaspora that's another thing that can happen you know syrian armenians going to california that could really help lebanese armenians going to australia or, or whatever that could really help there are positives and again i mentioned the positives for programming and teaching english and other things like that there are good things we just we have the next we don't have that many chances so we just have to do this right this time we can't mm, screw this up we have to do it the right way and Let's have fun doing it. You know, again, I'm boss guy. I like it. Even though I've been out here for a while, I've gotten a bit more serious. To be honest with you, I wasn't this serious when I was back. Glendale was pretty, just always laughing all the time. But now I've become quite a serious individual because of the seriousness of other people. And they consider it 
weak if you're not serious and whatever. I don't want to get into all that. But ultimately, we have to just have a good time and, 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 and strike it where, it where it needs to be struck. We have to do it right. We have to, you know, get the right coding jobs. We have to get the right jobs and make enough money. And yeah. So what you're saying is Armenia needs money. It needs to make its own money. Right. Yeah. It can't wait for the money to pour in from outside. Yes. It needs a fishing rod. It doesn't need fish. We'll see what happens. I'm not an expert on this topic, but it, I'm going to do my own part. I'm learning programming as I mentioned before. I didn't want to learn programming. I was not, I was definitely not born to be a programmer, but I'm this, this philosopher is becoming a programmer because that's what Armenia needs right now. And I'll be anything Armenia wants me to be. Simple as that. All right. Well, thank you, Harag, for joining us on the program. Thank you, Sean. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs>